0: To take another 15% off of this course, and uh, we can't wait to see you there. Processes and tools dominate today's Agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. Welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley. Joining me today, good friend from the neighboring state of Ohio, Joe Estolfi. Joe, how
1: are you? I'm great. How are you, Ryan?
0: I'm great. It's it's great to get to talk to you. I don't get over to Columbus as much as I would like. Uh, we do get to at least see each other once a year. now we're going
1: to start hanging out on Skype. So that's awesome. Perfect. And, I, and thank you so much for inviting me. Um, yeah, this is a long time coming.
0: So Joe, for those of you that are not familiar with him, he's part of the I, I see him at Path to Agility. So that's the Koha conference. It's actually coming up here in May. And we'll get a link to the to the conference and all of that stuff that's coming up. It's the conference I think uh, Faye Thompson puts together through Koha and CareWork. Really great event. Joe and I typically make it there each year. Part of the highlight of me for that event is actually Joe's wife. Uh, she takes Hi. wonderful pictures throughout the entire event. I steal many of them for podcast episodes. And she graciously lets me use uh, those photos, and and so and, and just lovely to talk to. So between Joe and her, it's it's wonderful to to get to see them. But for those of you not familiar with Joe, uh, he's an agile coach out in in the Midwest. Uh, I think for this conversation, though, the title that we're going to be really zeroing in on, and he's a leadership coach. And so Joe is a longtime member of of the leadership gift. That's Christopher Avery's leadership program. Um, it's really all around responsibility. and it's it's a fascinating program. It's one that um, well, first of all, the listeners, you'll remember that Christopher Avery was on the show a few episodes back, talked about his journey through responsibility, starting from when he realized um, the need for it and then his journey through through learning all about responsibility. Um, Joe is a started as a practitioner. He's now a leadership coach, uh, well versed in this topic it's It's very topical for me especially because I've actually just signed up uh, to join the leadership gift so I will be in the in the new set of modules starting I believe on March on March 3rd so I think module one is this coming Friday which would be March 3rd and very excited to get started so I thought it'd be great to have Joe come on and talk about his journey through the leadership gift and what you know, being a practitioner and now a coach has meant to him through not only, I think, his career, but also a huge impact on his life as we've talked through. And and as he's coached me from time to time on, on how great this program is and, now that I've taken the plunge, I'm, I'm excited to hear what the path could look like. So, Joe, thanks for, thanks again for doing this.
1: Yeah, and again, thanks so much for having me, and, and congratulations on uh, joining the program. I, I think you're going to get a lot out of it, and um, some things you might not even be aware that you could get out of it. And I think that's part of the value and uh, wonder of this program and why I've been a member for so long.
0: So, Joe, let's start there. What led you... To heading down this this really interesting path of responsibility.
1: Um, well, it, it was it, like many things; it, it just was happenstance, I guess. So I was with an organization that where I was a director in the IT group, and we were going through an agile transformation. Our senior leadership brought Christopher Avery in to do a workshop, um, because they recognize that when you move to agility, there's a need, um, there's a cultural change, right? And there's a need for the leaders and managers to be different, to really get the most effectiveness out of their people. So in two thousand seven, Christopher came to our company and did a workshop and at that time it was called Responsibility Redefined and he led us through this workshop And, and like anything else, right, I this thing pops on my calendar and we get a little note that hey, please come to this. It's part of our agile journey. And I had no idea what it was about. So that was my introduction and Christopher and the material completely blew me away. And it sounds funny to say it, um, maybe to some people, but it it was life changing. And I've told Christopher that, and and when I decided to officially join the program, I told him, when, when I spent the couple days in that workshop, it was truly life-changing because it, it centered me and focused me in places I didn't really realize I needed centered and focused. So yeah, 2007 was introduced to it. We used the responsibility process in our organization um, amongst ourselves as leaders to help each other tackle problems, get past stuck points, exceed to new uh, resourcefulness. And uh, my manager at the time would work on it with me. And so she was a big fan of the program and of Christopher and of the material. So she would work on it with me and mentor and coach me through it as well. So that was really my introduction back in 2007. And it was totally by happenstance because our leadership brought Christopher in and, and I just stayed with it and kept in touch with Christopher since then.
0: So when you started learning about the things that you needed to focus and center on, And hopefully this isn't too personal of a question, but from a career perspective, what were the things that perhaps weren't as clear or as focused as they could have been? And and how did you start applying some of these principles to bring clarity to, to the work you were doing?
1: The biggest thing was I began to recognize how I was holding myself back. So... When we encounter and and you have a podcast where Christopher goes through this, which is great. So the folks listening hopefully have uh, listened through some of that. But when I would hit a problem or an upset or some dissonance inside me not feel good about something, uh, typically, I would do what most humans do because we are human and um, look for one of the coping mechanisms. So I found myself coping a lot, and a lot of it lied around obligation, where, you know I have to go to this meeting I have to do this because I'm a, a ma- management member of of work even if I don't really agree with it I, I have to do these things a- and I didn't I wasn't into them right it's like I, I don't really want to do this but I don't know how not to do it right because that's how we get things done we're obligated to do them and uh, so I found myself landing there a lot I also found myself in Justify a lot. So I tell people I am great at telling myself stories about why things are the way they are and how I have no control over them. And I would say landing in the justify and the obligation, and maybe even the justify to a bigger extent, would keep me from really being more effective and being happier and being a better leader to the folks who I worked with. And so once I understood those states and what I was feeling, I could then start to figure out how do I get myself off of that? How do I progress to a place where I have some power and some resourcefulness where I can actually confront this, whatever it is that's upsetting me, and attack it and resolve it?
0: So it sounds like the initial step, and and I know Christopher went into some of this as well, is really awareness.
1: Oh, absolutely! Awareness is huge, and and uh, the scary thing is, I know there are things I'm still not aware of that I have <laughs> yet to become aware of. Right? Um, that's the point. You're not aware, but yeah, absolutely. It was it was getting that awareness that this was actually preventing me from moving forward. So yeah, awareness is a big key.
0: So as as you learn these lessons and you moved through, what were the noticeable changes that you saw happening in your career as you became more aware? of not only the things that were bothering you on the inside, but the things that were also setting you back, maybe through the mental models and the way that you were coping with
1: things. I'll personalize this some for folks listening because, you know, the model is very specific, right, walks you through the steps, but I'll internalize and and talk about some of what I felt um, because I think that helps people understand how this works. One of the first things I would notice is um, I would notice that I wasn't happy, and then I would search for why, and when I searched and, and gained that awareness, many times I would get angry, right? Because, because I realized, wow, you're justifying, Joe. How could you do that? You know you shouldn't. And so I would get angry with myself. So, you know, I would go right to the next step, shame. <laughs> it's funny how this process works. It's, it's not, well, not funny. It's true how this works. So I would immediately see where I was and then uh, think that I had to in responsibility all the time, and, and that's just not possible because we're human and this is natural. So what I found is I would figure out where I was, then start searching for why was I there and how could I get past it. And and I've learned being in the program, perhaps the why is not as important as we think it is. The why is nice and maybe it helps us get off of that quicker in the future, but really the place of power is recognizing and realizing that you can do something about this. You do have options and steps forward. So I found myself, what it looked like for me is my reaction time to things, I would say actually slowed down, right? Because The emotion can take over, right? So something happens, there's an upset. Take the the case of someone cutting you off in traffic, right? Immediately, you have an emotional response to that, like if you're like most people in rush hour traffic. So in my personal life, in my work, what I found myself doing is stopping and, and taking a breath because as soon as I felt an emotional response coming, I knew immediately I was probably not in a place of freedom and power at that point. I was probably somewhere not there so it was best to pause, take a breath, and come aware of, of what I was feeling and where I was. So for me, that was huge because it allowed me to be a little more specific than in what my next steps were, right? Rather than a pure emotional response of upset, which could be, you know, uh, either a, a judgment of that was good or bad or uh, a look that maybe someone catches or a a snipe at your loved one, it it became a pause and now, how do I really want to respond to this? And and I'd say that was one of the biggest immediate changes I noticed, and not that I was always successful at it, nor am I still, but again, at least that awareness now is there. Um, So when I feel an emotional response happening, first reaction or my first thought is, take a breath before you do anything else.
0: I think that's amazing advice. I and part of the reason that that I signed up actually was I found I wasn't I don't pause enough. Um, I can be impulsive. Uh, I do find myself justifying all the things that you talk through. You know some of the 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 mental shortcuts that I that I have been taking and and all of those things that 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 I think are are important to work through. I mean once you decide that you want to get out of those restraints. And I, and I call them restraints because I do think they hold you back as you, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of those things keep bubbling forward, but it's interesting to hear how just pausing for a moment and being aware of the fact that an emotional response is bubbling up and how that can be powerful. Cause I think we've all have, um, like you said at the end, of, at the end there of, you know, taking that, the, the swipe at a loved one, Or uh, because that at the moment that that comment was satisfying, but then immediately damaging and hurtful. And how many times have people wished they could take that back? Or even in a meeting where you have an outburst that perhaps it felt good to say, but did nothing to help the situation or diffuse it, um, where just a pause and a deep breath perhaps would have made you more present, which I think is step one to get back to present, and then also doing something where, you know, you're not just coping or, or doing something emotional. So I, very powerful stuff. It also, what I tend to think towards is the power of no. It seems mm. like that this type of thinking and, and this type of awareness really lets you get down to the core of who you are, what you want to accept and what you won't accept and almost empowers you to say no to things that you don't really want to do.
1: Right. I, I mean, that's exactly correct. So we feel an obligation for things. Right. And and that's one of the that's the last state, if you will, before you reach responsibility, because obligation looks like we're being responsible people. Right. I well, I should go to that meeting because my boss invited me or I should. Right. We should on each other. I should do this. I should do that. Um and, and that looks like we're being responsible adults, and that's the phrase we use, right? Well, he's being responsible. He's doing what he should do. But there's a difference between that, which is obligation, because you feel like you should, but maybe, to your point, you don't really want to, right? It's not where your heart is, versus taking 100% responsibility, which is taking that situation and saying, how do I address that with complete freedom, power, and knowing that I'm at choice? about that situation, right? And a and choice, it could mean I choose to do it or not, but choice could also mean I choose to do it because I want some greater good. Um, and I'll give a great example of this, um, it, which sticks with me all the time, and it's a conversation I had in one of our uh, leadership gift uh, coaching sessions. It's what I call the, the cat box principle, right? So I don't go home every night and say, Boy, I want to clean the cat box. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's not a necessarily pleasing chore. You know, it doesn't take but five minutes, but, you know, it's not something that you think about, Boy, that's really something I want to do is clean the litter box today. However, what do I want from that situation? Right? Well, I want uh, a home that smells nice. I want a healthy cat. I want. My guests to come in and not smell, right? A litter box. Um, no, I have an animal, and, and I want, want that pleasant environment. So, those are the things I want, and this is one little step that gets me to the greater want. So, do I, you know, on itself, on, as itself, do I really want to clean the cat box? Well, if that was the only thing that that meant, well, probably not. But because of the greater want I have, of course. I'll clean the cat box, right? Of course I'll do that because it satisfies a greater one. So I don't need to feel obligated to do it any longer because I want what that brings me.
0: Hey, everybody. Ryan Ripley here. We're going to take a quick break for a message from TechWell's Agile Dev West conference. When we come back, more with Joe and the Leadership Gift Program. Looking for a conference that gives you customized learning options to explore Agile and beyond? Attend Agile Dev West, the premier Agile event, June 4th through the 9th in Las Vegas, Nevada, covering the latest techniques and topics no matter your level of Agile adoption. Learn both foundational knowledge and new methodologies to develop skills, supercharge knowledge, and re-energize your career growth. Take deep dives into topics such as implementation, testing, leadership, scrum, enterprise, requirements, techniques, and more. As an added bonus, the event is co-located with Better Software and DevOps West conferences. Your one registration automatically gives you access to all three programs. This means you can choose from over 100 learning and networking opportunities to build a customized week of learning that fits you and your organization's specific needs. Explore the program at well.tc forward slash agile dev. Agile for Humans listeners use the code AgileDev to receive $200 off their conference registration fee. Register by April 7th, super early bird deadline for a combined savings of up to $600 off at well.tc forward slash AgileDev. So just before we get too much further... Can we talk about just the process real quick for the listeners that perhaps haven't listened to the the Christopher Avery episode? Can you walk through this flow just so that they have a little bit of context around the process?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, you know, our, our five minute quick run through it. Um, so the responsibility process is something that happens in our mind when things go wrong and things go wrong all the time, every day. And this is human, natural. We found it occurs in all humans. Uh, Regardless of age, sex, religion, culture, it's a natural process. So when when you're in motion towards a goal uh, and something goes wrong, then the first thing we do is lay blame, right? So the first place in our mind is lay blame. We look for someone who did this to us, right? And and our our common example is I, I go to leave for work. I go to grab the keys where they normally are. The keys aren't there. The first thing I think of is who took my keys, right? Who who shall I blame for this? Um, If we determine that that's not a place of power and choice, we'll graduate to the next position, which is justify. And in justify, we say that the set of circumstances caused what we have. So, well, of course, my keys aren't there because I was in a hurry last night. Uh, Dinner was ready. I got home late from work. I had a stressful day. Anybody in this situation, of course, would misplace their keys, right? So telling ourselves a story about why things are. Uh, The next position is shame. Once I decide I'm not going to tell myself a story, um, then I turn the cause of my um, situation inward and say, oh, I am to blame, right? So it's blame turned inward uh, with shame. So with shame, it's I'm lacking something. I'm not good enough. I'm an idiot, right? I I somehow lack. And how long do we want to beat ourselves up? So once we get off shame, we go to a state called obligation, which means I have a situation and I'm stuck, So I'm stuck in this situation, I can do nothing about it, I'm powerless, and we call it the state of have to, don't want to. I have to have this, I don't want it, I have to do this, I don't want it. And then once we decide that's not a powerful place to be either, we graduate to the final step of responsibility, which is uh, 100% freedom, power, and choice over what we have and knowing that we have the power to do something about it. So very quickly, that's the uh, walk through the responsibility process. Well,
0: thanks and, for that. I I think that's helpful to the listeners. And it, and one of the nuanced questions that I had early on, and that I'm, I think I've I've worked through, is that there is a difference. And I think Christopher makes this this very fine point in his book uh, on the responsibility process between accountability and responsibility. Can you help the listeners kind of make that dif- differentiation? Because unfortunately, those words they're used interchangeably, but in this context, they're very, very different
1: right. and And I use that definition everywhere I go because it helps us get our mind around what those mean, especially with my work uh, with teams, starting new agile teams or really any team where people are going to work together. um so so we have a specific, definitions for accountability and responsibility, because those words are interchanged so much, they, they really have lost their meaning. So for us, accountability is an, is an external, someone is holding you to account for something. So think about organizations, right? You are hired in an organization to do something, right? You have a job description. So you are being held to account to execute on uh, the items in your job description, right? So that's accountability. It's, it's people expecting something of you uh, that you're to perform or to do. Um, we're married, so we have plenty of accountabilities <laughs> with our spouse, right? Exactly. We, we are being held to to do some certain things or be some certain things. Um, and that's fine, right? There's nothing wrong with accountability. It it's, is what uh, helps organizations... Exist and and succeed Um, The difference with responsibility though is it's an internal feeling so While we might be held to account for something we may or may not feel responsible for that Um, and I use uh, The example of Folks who have children and let's say children have chores cleaning their room taking out the garbage whatever it is right and I'll ask, how many of you hold hold your child to account to clean their room? Right? And most people do. And and how many people think their child feels responsible to clean their room? Right? right? And and there's usually some laughing because it's like, yeah, it doesn't happen. Right? So the internal accountability is not there. They don't they don't want that. They don't understand why it's important. They don't feel internally accountable to do it. So it doesn't happen. That doesn't mean they're bad. That doesn't mean they're trying to to disobey. It just means they don't have that feeling of responsibility internally. And the, let's face it, the same thing happens at work, right? There are probably some things each of us are held to account for at work. We don't feel especially responsible for those things. Or someone is holding us to account for things, and we know we're not... <laughs> We don't feel responsible for those things. And that causes some dissonance and uh, lo- lower performance than, than what we could potentially have. So those are the, kind of the two definitions of accountability and responsibility. Accountability is external. Responsibility is that internal feeling.
0: And it's an important distinction to make and, and really appreciate you doing that. Something that you, you brought up is when you start to coach Agile teams, and so now we have this, this responsibility uh, process through the Leadership Gift Program that, that seems to be about individuals and the way that they, they navigate through um, adversity and how we, how we take those situations and, and process through them to the points where we're empowered to make positive change. How do you take these concepts that on the surface look like they're geared towards individuals
1: and bring it to a team setting? Yeah, that's a great question. So let's talk about Agile teams. Um, and, and it can be applied across teams, but Agile teams are a really good one to apply it to and, and why the Agile community has embraced uh, Christopher and the responsibility process and a lot of this uh, data and information. When you have a team of folks in, uh, and they're an Agile team, we value getting the work to done and helping each other, getting the work to done, we, we de-emphasize individual accomplishments, right? And, and it happens with other teams, but especially with agile teams and if you think scrum teams, right? So at the end of the day, and it's even built in the principles, the value we, we have is getting work done, delivering work. We don't care as much about what I did personally as an individual. And and I relate it to a sports team, right? You can have you know LeBron James have a great game and he most usually does, but if the Cavs lose, what's it matter? Right? At the end of the day, what does it, what does it matter he had a great game? It doesn't because the goal is for the team to win. So with agile teams, we talk about Being held to account, so if I'm a tester, I'm held to account to perform testing, to write tests maybe, to execute tests, to report bugs, whatever it is, traditionally my job description says I do. But if we extend that to responsibility, then these might be my accountabilities, but I want to be responsible or feel responsible for the success of the team. So if the most important thing for me to do next is to talk with a business partner about this new feature they're thinking about, then that's what I do. If the next most important thing for me to do to help the team get our work done is to uh, write a document or meet with somebody to get their approval on something, or even if I have the skills to do some coding... Then that's what I do, right? Because I feel responsible to get the work to done, to get the team successful. Um, another way to think of it is, I use the basketball analogy, but I like to use the hockey analogy. And and I know Brian, you just had Brian Beecham on, and he he talked a little hockey, so my ears perked up immediately because <laughs> I'm a big hockey fan. But you know, if you're a if you're a uh, centerman on a hockey team, you know, you take faceoffs and you try to score and you are usually somewhat defensive-minded. So you, you play multiple roles. If I'm a winger, I'm usually asked to score. But if we're not in a scoring position, and I'm the first, first or second one back on defense, I don't stand there and hope the defense gets the guy with the puck, right? I, I play defense. The same with the defenseman. If I'm moving the puck up the ice, and I'm one of the first ones up, and I see a scoring chance, I don't stop and wait for someone else on offense to come by me so I can give them the puck so they can score. No, I take the puck and I go with it. That's being responsible for the success of the team, right? Not just for what I'm being held to account for. And that's what I, what I use with agile teams, especially starting new teams. I use those analogies about being responsible for the success of the team to work, move the work forward so we all win.
0: Yeah, that's, it's one of those important what people call soft skills that are, are not often coached or trained effectively, but, uh, are immensely important, which is what another one of those, you know, curious things that led me towards, uh, this whole program. It's the idea that we can coach and train teams on, on that greater good on that, uh, that, that feeling of being responsible for your team's success, regardless of what other people hold you are holding you accountable for. And, uh, it's almost like a, a service, uh, of something greater than yourself is what it, it kind of uh, manifests into you know, that goal of, of getting your team across the line as opposed to getting your, your three things checked off on, on your upcoming performance evaluation or, or whatever it is. And I, I find breaking those barriers and breaking that thinking and getting people to that thinking about the team overall, it's one of the harder things we do. And it, it's interesting that, that some of these practices can actually help us uh, in many of those instances.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and we can extend that outside the team as well, and, and this is the other thing I do. So when I'm working with these teams, um, we might have an external dependency, right, and, and it happens. Maybe we need um, a database analyst who isn't part of the team to do something for us. Maybe we need uh, middleware um, or a, ser- a web services team to create something for us so we can move forward, and it's typical that we say things like, well, we're waiting on them, right? Or, yeah, we, we want to get that done, but we can't do it because they are not doing it or aren't able to do it or, right, whatever the reason. And whenever we start that reasoning, right, we're probably somewhere in lay, blame, and justify. And so we're stuck. We're, we're not moving forward. We're not progressing, And so what I talk to teams about is how can we take 100% responsibility for that situation? What can we do more than we're doing right now? Oh, well, I could go talk to that person. Hey, yeah, that might be a great idea. Or we could start letting them know sooner we need something so that we don't get stopped. Yeah, that's a great idea. What else can we do, right? So it gets us into those higher levels of reasoning and problem solving when we don't let ourselves stay in a justification mode or in a blaming mode right when we say what can we do what more can we do Uh, that starts the process of pushing us into responsibility making us more effective helping us be more effective and really helping everyone succeed together even those teams we need something from because if we're more responsible to the greater good, which means maybe we're more more responsible to the organization as a whole, we'll want to help them um, help us, right? So, hey, if we engage you two weeks sooner, would that help you, right? What can we do to help you rather than um, just letting the situation stay as it is until they somehow do something to help us?
0: Yeah, it's those situations where if only someone else would do something, I would be more successful. <laughs> exactly. That we have to if fight o- through. If
1: only this would happen, I would be happy.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but that's never going to happen, and so you have to, you have to make, it, make something else happen to, to get to where you want to be, which is, I think, a very positive message of the whole program. If we take these ideas further, so you and I have both been in IT director roles for companies. I think we've both stepped away from those roles, which is an interesting topic in and of itself. But um, when we take these ideas of responsibility and apply it to the way we manage people, you would think that this would actually change the model of management and the way that we lead. You know, what changes have you seen in the way that when you're back in that role or when you're expected to, to lead others, how has this process changed the way you approach uh, managing people?
1: Uh, That's a a great question. There are so many distinctions, uh, and and you'll see in anyone who goes down this path, we'll see there are millions of distinctions that can be made. Um, One of the things I have noticed about myself, and again, it's going to be a little personal for everyone depending on where they tend to land and where they tend to get stuck, but one of the things for me is I absolutely refuse to have Thing, certain things um, I, I where before I would say well we're stuck there's nothing we can do right and that's one of the biggest ones we hear well that's how it is around here that's how it's going to be there's nothing we can do I, I refuse to believe that I, I will not let myself believe that any longer and I'll push other people to see how deeply ingrained is that in them and can we move them somewhere to really take ownership of the situation and do something about it. There's always something more we can do, usually. Uh, we just maybe haven't thought of what that is, or in some instances, maybe felt like we weren't, and I'll use quotes, allowed to do it, right? There are a lot of rules and processes and informal cultural things that uh, that can hold us back from really being as as successful together as we can be. So one of the biggest things I notice is refusing and challenging um, our current situation and and trying to move us to somewhere that's more resourceful, where we actually are controlling our destiny.
0: Yeah, I think there's... An amazing amount of applications for these ideas whether it's through an agile coaching role a scrum master role a product owner role agile teams all of those things and, and it's certainly why christopher he notes at so many different agile conferences and has just been embraced by many of the top members of our community if you look at the the alumni list it's just an all-star list of agilists that have have taken these teachings uh, you know yourself included joe and, and brought them forward to, to, to launching many different teams it also seems like and I won't, I won't get too too detailed about this with you, because it is a personal application, but it seems like even marriages can, can benefit from this type of thinking. It seems like relationships with, with friends, family members, you know turning, turning the thinking towards, away from if only someone else would do something, but to, "How can I challenge and change the situation?" It seems like it would reap a lot of rewards in all of the important relationships in your life.
1: Yeah, I think it really does, and and that doesn't mean it's it's easy or it works all the time or things are smooth all the time, right? There's still problems, there's still upsets. Um, in fact, I'll I'll go ahead and, and tell a tiny story about last night, right? When I knew I was going to be doing this podcast, and and uh, I asked my wife to help me. Uh, because I don't use Skype very often, and I wanted to make sure Skype was working, and make sure this my audio was working, and this headset worked okay. Um, and and she didn't, she hadn't used Skype in a long, long time. In fact, I don't know that she ever has used Skype. But we knew she had an account, and we couldn't figure out her password. <laughs> <laughs> Not only could we figure out her password, but then you had to send all this information to Microsoft, and then they a validation of whether they thought you were the person or not. And it came back that, yeah, she didn't give them enough information because the things they were asking us, we had no idea. or like, we don't know what the answer to that is. So you can imagine she wants to help me because I asked her and um, there was some tension, right? That, wow, we're, we're in a in process, in, in, in motion towards a goal and we can't get there and, and it, something has stopped us. So, in that situation, it's very easy, right? Especially with people close to you to have the quick emotional reaction and get frustrated and, and that, and, 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 and and that happened, right? There was some frustration there on both of our parts. And, um, the great thing is because we both know this responsibility process and, and I'm a a coach in it and I, I live it, um, that we both took a deep breath, right. And took a step back and said, look, there's, there's no reason to be frustrated about this or upset about this. And, and what can we do, right? What is important? What can we do? And, and, and so that's what we did. Um, but yeah, to your point, something very simple and we've all seen it, especially with loved ones, but even something at work, uh, can set us off and go and set us down this path of, um, where we don't want to be where we don't want to end up right of of emotions and and to your point sometimes maybe saying thing that you something that you wish you hadn't um or or something and then you cleaning up is much more difficult than just stopping and and you know kind of changing direction or recentering yourself and and there is a a lot of information in the program about cleaning up uh relationships or cleaning up things that uh haven't gone as well as you want so um that's another thing I've taken from the program um, is is cleaning up your messes right what what is what is the powerful way to clean up when you've been the cause or a uh, partner in something that hasn't gone well um, and it, it's hard stuff um, but it's very powerful
0: it yeah, it also fills a gap at least one that I've had in my mind where you know, a coaching mantra is model the behavior you want the team to display. But what does that mean? And so you're okay. you're trying to figure out, okay, I think these are the behaviors that would be good, so on and so forth. But when you look at this, the model that, that Christopher has set forward, if you're modeling these behaviors, it's hard for the team not to step up. Like if you're basically showing them what responsibility looks like, the team becomes responsible, not only... You know, not only to themselves, which I think is the first step, but to each other. uh, Performance can only improve, so I think it fills a lot of interesting gaps. It it is applicable across many different areas. You know, as you noted, though, because the way we're talking about it, this all sounds very easy. I'm actually, I have some insights because I have friends like you and Tim Oninger, and a number of other people who have been through it and who have talked about it on the on the show. um, Fully aware that this is a multi year difficult process. To actually undo for me 37 years of 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 interesting thinking processes, right? That's not an overnight change. Um what am I in for here? What can you give kind of the listeners and myself kind of some insights into what the I think the like we said, the core the first module is Friday. As we go through this process, what does it look like as far as the modules and the the mastery discussions and all of those things? What is what does some of that look like?
1: Um yeah, so I can, I can relate it to what I've experienced and what I hear other people experience because I do try to stay in tune with each class, each session that starts up and, and kind of hear what they're talking about and going through. And sometimes I take the modules along with um, all the new folks. Um, because you learn something new, you get a new nuance uh, every time. So what you're in for is I think you're going to see some very quick uh, learnings and some very quick wins. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's things you can start to do immediately. I mean, it is it is that quick. After week one, you're going to start to notice things, and you're going to start to to see things a little differently. Um, and that is just the tip of the iceberg, and we call it peeling the onion, uh, because I remember as I went through the program the first time, and was getting coached and talking to christopher and other members and and um on some of the application mastery calls which is where we actually get one-on-one coaching and and help each other uh it's it's peeling an onion so as soon as you have a new learning there's something else right around the corner waiting for you to learn that you aren't even aware of yet and and it's uh and to your point yes it's the deeper you want to go t- into it and the more you want to grow your responsibility practice, I mean, the more there is for you to learn. Um, Christopher calls it a, a lifelong practice. I mean, he's been doing – he's been using it, introduced to it, and gravitated to it now is the face of it uh, for over 25 years, right? I'm, I'm more of a newbie at 10 years. so. <laughs> it's it's uh but yeah and i still learn things all the time um about myself about my interactions about how i can to your point model something differently because um you mentioned we had both been directors in companies and now are no longer and and that might be a great podcast in and of itself to talk about why that is um but what what made me realize is how important behavior is and how much people are looking at you for those behavioral cues especially if you're in a leadership role at work you are going to model the behavior of the person you report to because you think that's the expectation Um, and whether or not we do that consciously or subconsciously we'll model that so it's really important as leaders that we Exhibit the behaviors we want. And for me, being more responsible, which means owning my situations and owning what I have uh, and operating from a position of power and choice uh, was the way to model the behaviors I would want in others. And as a coach, it's really important because if as a coach, I'm coaching a team and I allow something to stop us and, and say, well, that's okay, that's how it is. Um, too bad we can't do anything about it. I'm I might be done coaching for the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a good. That's a good spot to just uh, probably just time to catch the train and and try again tomorrow, right? Exactly. Well, Joe. It, yeah. It is the type of of modeling of behavior that you've done and that you've presented in in our interactions, uh, along with a few of our friends that that led me to ultimately decide to join this. So I just want to give appreciation for that that, uh, watching the way that, that you conduct yourself and the way that you, you know, the, the, the behavior that you model, it it is inspiring and it does bring people to the program. So definitely want to make sure that's, that's out there and noted and appreciated.
1: Thank you so much, Ryan, for that. And, and I just, I want to folks to know though, that it is a practice, right? Um, I'm at a certain level of practice and I have farther to go, right? We, we're all human We all stumble. We all go into the responsibility process, go below the line, what we call it, out of responsibility because we're human. Um, And we need to forgive ourselves for that and then get ourselves back to a place where we are powerful again. So, yes, it's a practice um, and and we're not going to be perfect. Um, And the key is recognizing when we're not where we want to be and getting ourselves back to where we want to be.
0: And so where we're at now is at the end of our time box. And so to honor that, um, I think at this point of the show, I I like to give the opportunity, uh, for our guests to get anything out in front of the listeners that they want to promote, that they think people should be aware of. Um, you've already given us so many great gems about this program, Joe, but if there's anything else that you would like to get in front of the listeners, this is your time to do that.
1: Um, yeah, thanks Ryan. A couple quick things. Um, We talked about the Leadership Gift Program, so the new semester is starting this Friday, which is March 3rd. However, it is and can be uh, self-guided, so if you're interested in it, it doesn't mean you missed your chance. You can opt in at any time. All the modules, all the uh, teachings are recorded, so you can go back and listen to the recordings and catch yourself up, or you could even self-pace yourself, so... um, i I encourage you if you're interested to check that out and and if you just do a quick google search on the leadership gift program you'll find it and then i want to mention you mentioned the path to agility which is our big agile conference here in columbus it's one of the largest definitely largest in the midwest i think second largest in the country second largest regional um i don't know we're, we're we're battling a couple other really good conferences for that title um but that's coming up May twenty fourth and twenty fifth, and registration uh, early bird will open here in the in March. Uh, so watch for that. You can go to thepathtoagility.com dot com to find out information on that. And we have some international thought leaders coming this year that haven't been to Columbus yet. So it will be very interesting. And uh, check us out.
0: Have any uh, speakers or
1: keynotes been announced
0: yet, Joe?
1: We've not announced any formally. I know a couple of names, but we're not quite at the announcement point yet. But it will be I think it will be worth people's time to check it out.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Path to agility put on by Koha, which Joe I know you're a member of. Faye Thompson is at the front of, I think, um, I think she she kinda leads the charge and, and has a lot of great support through Koha and CareWork Techs and uh, or CareWorks Tech and a number of other supporting companies in Columbus. It's hosted at the Ohio State University Union. It's a beautiful venue. It's one of my favorite conferences. I make sure to get there every year. We will be recording, I believe, Agile for Humans at the site again like we did last year. I think that worked out really well. We got a lot of great interviews, so I will be bringing the podcast back to Columbus. So this is one that if you want to have an opportunity to be on the show, if you want to interact with people like Joe, myself, Faye, many of the other friends of the show... This is a good opportunity where a lot of people will be uh, gathering. And like I said, it's one of my favorite conferences and uh, always make sure to hit it. So we'll get that information in the show notes as we get closer to tickets going on sale and those things getting ramped up. We'll have more people from Koha and the path on to talk about speakers and things coming up. The other thing that I wanted to highlight, um, Christopher Avery did release a book late last year, The Responsibility Process, Unlocking Your Natural Ability to Live and Lead with Power. Excellent book. So I, I've been reading a copy of it. I now have a, a train commute into, uh, into my, my, my new gig. And so I've been reading it uh, back and forth on the train. Uh, it's a wonderful introduction to the process of responsibility. I think it's a great uh, great place to start. And so for those of you curious about what all of this means, you know the things that we've talked about today, it's a, it's a wonderful book that I'll get uh, information in the show notes about.
1: Yeah, and uh, one thing to add... Christopher will be in Columbus for Path to Agility. Um, I can say that safely. And uh, yeah, um, we're talking about some things he might do around the book. So if you do happen to have the book or his uh, previous book, Teamwork is an Individual Skill, which um, I love as well, uh, you might be able to get it signed and, and have a chat with him.
0: Excellent. So, Joe, thank you again for doing this. I appreciate the, the preview into the path that I'm about to embark on. So that's been great. Best wishes to you and your wife, and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in Columbus.
1: Yeah, can't wait to see you. Thanks so much for having me on, Ryan. It's been great.
0: Thanks for listening to Agile for Humans. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a question on Twitter at Agile for Humans or visit agileforhumans.com.